Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with CoreLogic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. After the massive disruption of 2020, everyone started 2021 with great hope and excitement for things to return to normal. At the beginning of the year, vaccines were on the horizon, the economy appeared to be turning around, and everyone was filled with optimism that life as we once knew it would be back. Yet, 2021 has come and gone and made its own mark. While, yes, the economy did bounce back, home equity skyrocketed, and the increase of popularity of work from home led to even more demand for unconventional metros, there was still great disruption. Construction materials shot up, impacting housing costs in response to natural disasters. The Delta variant of COVID-19 led to a resurgence of the increased restrictions, sending much of the optimism into a downward spiral. And the growing impact of climate change was reflected in damaging hurricanes, floods, and wildfires. So for our episode today, we're bringing back some of our favorite guests from the year to get their take on 2021 and their outlook for the year ahead. First up, we have Pete Carroll, Executive of Public Policy and Industry Relations, who's previously joined us three times on this podcast. Pete, welcome back to Core Conversations. Thank you, May Claire. I'm delighted to be here today. So Pete, when you joined us earlier this year, you talked about the end of forbearance in the affordable housing crisis. Looking back on 2021 now, what's your biggest reflection on the past year and what's your outlook for 2022? Uh, I appreciate the question. I mean, certainly when I reflect on 2021, I think, you know, one of the biggest headlines for me is just how well the mortgage markets and homeowners fared, um, particularly homeowners who are facing hardship as a result of COVID-19. Not only did industry marshal a response um, that helped keep people in their homes and seems to be continuing to keep people in their homes, but it's actually been a bright spot in our, in our economy. And I think that's a testament to the policies that have been put in place over the last decade, which have uh, created the preconditions for um, a stable, strong, vibrant uh, housing market that uh, has um, been an important contributor to our economy. Mm-hmm. Um, just by way of numbers, um, in the mid-2000s, we had six million uh, homeowners in forbearance for uh, their mortgage payments due to hardship from COVID-19. That's down to about a million homes now. Um, that's still a lot, um, but it, I think that really is a reflection of the very effective policy response, um, a bipartisan policy response that included the CARES Act um, and the uh, ability for homeowners facing COVID-19 hardship to forbear their mortgage payments. And then the response of the federally backed mortgage lending programs, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, Rural Housing, and Ginnie Mae who all came together to come up with a COVID-19 natural disaster loss mitigation program that created innovative new loss mitigation options so that when homeowners or borrowers were exiting their forbearance programs, um, they had options that really really positioned them uh, for success and being able to pick back up where they left off and continue making their payments um, uh, once they've been reemployed and and, uh, and, and we're in a position to, um, you know, continue on with their lives in, in the wake of this unprecedented pandemic. Um, so, like that, that to me is a huge headline. Yeah. Uh, we still have we still have more to go. There's still a million 
homeowners in forbearance and we can't rest on our laurels. There's still more work to do to make sure that these homeowners have the options they need and the support they need and the counseling they need to be able to uh, you know, position them for success to the maximum extent possible to retain their homes. Uh, and I'm hopeful we'll do that. Um, there's been a lot of support um, uh, uh, marshaled, um, economic support marshaled from this pandemic. And um, um, I'm, I'm bullish on the ability to do that. And, you know, again, the housing market has been just such a bright spot. I mean, we've seen such house price appreciation, um, particularly um, this year um, and last year. Um, uh, and, you know, we, we, I think we expect some of that house price growth to moderate, but to still be very, very healthy. And, um, you know, that continues to put a strain on affordability. So I think, you know, another, you know, uh, another you know, trend we saw in 2021 or re reflection on 2021 is that we still face this massive supply gap right. um, in our um, housing system, right, where we just have a massive undersupply of housing, in, in particular, single family entry level housing, which is the housing that's most needed, that's the housing stock most needed for first time home buyers and low to moderate income prospective home buyers who are disproportionately people of color. And, you know, this as we, you know, as, I, as we kind of pivot into reflections for or forecasts for what, what's in store for 2020, for 2022, I think it's already becoming clear that, you know, the emphasis um, for much of this year and well into next, if not all of next, is going to be um, how do we uh, position our housing system to promote greater equity and home ownership um, so that all races and ethnicities have the opportunity to share in the benefits of home ownership, which continues to demonstrate it's one of the best uh, uh, ways for families to um, develop assets that uh, accrue in value and provide uh, real wealth generation capabilities um, that they can span generations of families. Um, so this is a very important topic. Um, and, you know, it really comes down to, as I mentioned before, you know, this need for new single family entry level stock. Um, you know, this is really, you know, a, you know, I think a very heavy emphasis for 2022 is how do we make sure that cities, counties, home builders, uh, construction investors, mortgage lenders, um, how do we make sure they have the tools they need? Um, to, to figure out what kind of housing to build and where to build it. Yeah. Um, that'll be a combination of, of um, policy responses, uh, um, you know, that get down to the local level, including zoning and land use regulations. Um, uh, but it's also, you know, I think a, a, you know, a demonstrative of the need for good data analytics and, and, and models that can help uh, really figure out and optimize what type of housing to build and where to build it and, and you know, kind of maximize the chances that we can get this new single family entry level stock into the system, which is very important. And, you know, what goes hand in hand with that is it's one thing to put new stock into the system, but if you're doing it for home ownership, you need to make sure you have the right products in place, uh, responsibly underwritten, but affordable mortgage lending products uh, that low to moderate income prospective homeowners can afford and have the ability to uh, repay. And uh, this gets to issues in appraisal gaps when you're trying to add new stock into communities that don't uh, haven't traditionally had that investment of new single family entry level stock. You have this, this catch 22 or chicken and egg where you've got to get, you, you, you have to have the market comparable properties to 
be able to appraise the properties that are being built. So there's some very innovative appraisal gap programs in place that are designed to help catalyze and stimulate uh, the development of, of market comparables so that we can try to get appraised values in line with the actual market value of these homes um, uh, because there is tremendous demand for this, this type of housing. Um, and then certainly we're seeing the need for other uh, innovative programs such as uh, rehabilitation products uh, that make it easier for a low to moderate income prospective homeowner to find a home that perhaps needs some work, uh, take out a mortgage where they can rehabilitate that home and live in it afterwards and have the mortgage uh, payments they need, uh, affordable mortgage payments they need to stay in that home. Right. Um, and then finally, I'd say um, we need uh, more incentives for home builders to produce more of this housing. Uh, we, did a, we did a whole array of subsidies spanning the entire um, uh, uh, housing system of all income levels, but at least with respect to this issue of single family entry level stock, it really is about how do we, um, you know, a, a, you know, a very important co contributor to solving this problem is making sure that um, we, we are providing the incentives to the to home builders to actually build the stock. And uh, there's some very innovative tax credit um, uh, proposals in Congress that uh, are being considered as part of the budget reconciliation process that's going on right now. Uh, discussions for budget reconciliation that. Mm. Uh, would create um, tax credits, uh, much as we have done with the low-income housing tax credit for rental, um, that can be applied for the home ownership side. And, and this would be really be designed to um, give the uh, investor in a uh, single-family entry-level um, development uh, the incentive to want to invest uh, because it covers much of their risk, where if their cost of construction all-in exceeds uh, the market value of what they're able to sell the homes for, um, there, there's uh, they, they can have a tax credit that will cover that difference if they end up if it ends up costing them more than than uh, than the price they're able to obtain in the market. And mm. Again, that's another good uh, you know very very powerful mechanism to try to stimulate new supply in the system, uh, which we very badly need. So th these are the, the the themes that I think are most top of mind for me. Um, and, you know, CoreLogic is, is very uh, eager to engage with uh, all of our insights and data and analytical knowledge to try to contribute to solving these problems. Thanks, Pete. And that's a great segue to talk about appraisals. So with that, I want to welcome back Sean Telford, CoreLogic's chief appraiser. Sean, it's great to chat with you again on the podcast. Great to be back, May Claire. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, when you joined us at the beginning of the year, we talked about how the pandemic had really shaken things up in the world of appraisals and really forced the move to a digital world. So looking back on 2021, what's your biggest reflection on 2021 and any outlooks for the year ahead? Yeah, wow. I mean, it's been a really interesting year for appraisal, that's for sure. We've, <laughs> we've you know, probably my biggest thought about 2021 is more events happened in 2021 that will shape the future of appraisal than probably anything else that I can remember in my career. Wow. This pandemic really drove the demand for digitally and automated based valuation products and services. And it most importantly, it served as a catalyst to open doors for testing and learning on some of these new tools. So, for example, when the pandemic was at its peak, we couldn't go out 
and inspect properties in many cases and certainly couldn't go in people's homes. We just didn't know what was going on, but yet the rates were were great and people wanted to refinance. And so mm-hmm. we, we had to pivot in the GSEs, which stands for Government Sponsored Enterprise, which really, when we say that term, we mean Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Then uh, the GSEs pivoted and allowed desktop appraisals and exterior appraisals and, and other flexibilities that allowed data collection by the homeowner, right. things that weren't normally allowed. All these things were able to, to come to fruition, and that allowed us to test and learn on what really worked. And ultimately, what we saw was appraising can continue just fine based on data and information that's in the public record and data that was collected from homeowners. And because of that, it's opened the doors for the GSEs. Uh, FHFA is allowing Fannie and Freddie to now make desktop appraisals a permanent part of how they operate. Um, So FHFA is the Federal Housing Finance Agency. So we'll see that in 2022. Now they are gonna require a sketch, which is gonna be interesting for appraisers and others to fulfill, but but the bottom line is it opened up a lot of really cool new doors. And and you combine all that, uh, the, the pandemic-related issues with the volume that we saw, just tremendous pressures on appraisers to keep up with the demand. And that, that fed waivers from the GSEs, appraisal waivers. And um, those are based on automated technology and data that's collected. And so we saw a lot of waivers being utilized because of the rate and term refinancing that was happening. But also it just, it continued to drive the opportunities for the GSEs to prove out that other types of appraisals can be important and can be accepted in the mix of appraisals and that appraisers continue to play a very important role in risk management for lenders. And it's just been really interesting. And, you know, one last kind of thought on what we'll see in 2022, the, the volume demands on appraisers also affected how we think about how appraisers become appraisers and will continue to, I think, or have already and will continue to drive changes in how appraisers become appraisers because we need a more um, elastic supply of appraisers rather than the current flat inelastic supply that we have. So just, you know, I could go on for another half an hour about all the, the, the really cool things, but it's been a really interesting year. Thanks, Sean. And now we're going to shift to talk about innovation. So next up, we're going to hear from CoreLogic's Chief Innovation Officer, John Rogers. John, welcome back to Core Conversations. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you. John, last time we chatted, you spoke about how innovation plays a role in the property marketplace. Can you reflect on the types of innovation that we saw in 2021? Anything new and exciting and how it might affect 2022? Definitely. So uh, obviously, um, the one that comes first to mind that affected all of us was obviously working remotely. And Ah. that changed a lot of uh, uh, fast forwarded a lot of technologies into our lives. Uh, where we all uh, work remotely from our houses. Uh, and then as, and as I think about the property landscape, um, what's definitely moved forward a lot in 21 and further, it will happen further in 22, is obviously uh, the home, the, the health of the home, the, the internet of things. Right. So all those little uh, sensors and devices, everything from security, uh, lighting devices, um, 
So as, as IoT devices become more pertinent in our world and how we can extract uh, value and insights to really help uh, the homeowner in looking after the, their home, uh, you can see it rapidly uh, taking a presence uh, across the across the globe and in particular in the, in the United States. Uh, the other area is, um, okay, it's taken hold in 2021, but it will uh, further um, scale out in 22 is really the rise of uh, data exchanges. Mm. So um, at Coolidge, uh, obviously with being a data and analytics company, we're really uh, at the forefront of enabling our clients really to find new insights on their book of business, whether it's an insight for new leads, competitor analysis, price optimization models, uh, propensity scores to predict uh, events in the future. Uh, it, how do we simplify that process for their data scientists to get access to the data, uh, the tools, the relevant insights, the relevant models, uh, really to, to drive their, their business. So uh, a lot to come in 22. Thanks, John. And now moving from innovation to natural hazards, I'm thrilled to welcome back Dr. Howard Botts, Chief Scientist at CoreLogic. Howard, so happy to have you on the podcast again. Uh, thank you, May Clara. It's a pleasure to be invited back. So Howard, when you joined us this summer, we talked about climate change and how it affects our homes and properties. If you look back at 2021, what's your biggest takeaway on the year? And I know we can't predict natural hazards, but from a climate change perspective, is there anything we can say about what we can expect in 2022? Yeah, uh, that, what a wonderful question, May Claire. Thank you. Uh, looking back over 2021, uh, we had once again another record year of billion-dollar climate events in the United States. This year, uh, we had 18 so far, which wow. is well above the historic average. Uh, as we uh, expected, this has been a very active Atlantic hurricane season. We've had 20 named storms. Uh, overall, Hurricane Ida was the costliest disaster this year exceeding $60 billion in losses and counting. And Ida devastated not only the coastal areas of Louisiana where it made landfall, but Ida, like Hurricane Harvey and most other recent hurricanes, we've seen more losses from flooding uh, than wind damage. Mm. Uh, and Ida uh, losses extended really not only through coastal Louisiana, but all the way up through the uh, Mississippi River Valley and eventually to uh, New York, Pennsylvania, other places on the East Coast, which experienced significant floods. A drought in the West uh, has continued uh, to cause problems. Uh, we've recorded record wildfire events, primarily in California and the Western US, with over 6 million acres uh, consumed uh, so far by wildfires this year. Uh, we also, in 2021, was interesting in terms of temperature extremes. Mm. We saw this winter record cold temperatures in Texas, uh, where uh, electrical generation and distribution systems uh, failed, and we saw major residential property loss. While this summer, uh, the western U.S. had record high uh, temperatures with uh, significant heat waves uh, causing loss of life, economic damage, particularly uh, in the Northwest, Washington, Oregon in particular. Uh, California officials believe this trend is gonna continue and uh, they're now currently developing a heat risk scale 
analogous to the Richter scale for earthquakes or the Saffir-Simpson hurricane scale. So uh, they're here to stay and they're about to be named. So uh, it tells you something about the future. Wow. Uh, climate change is continuing to drive uh, increased flood losses, uh, particularly flash flooding from intense rainfall events. We saw a major loss of life and property in Tennessee, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York this year. And we expect that to continue into the future. Mm -hmm. I think the other big takeaway for 2021 is the growing awareness on the part of U.S. regulatory agencies on the need to understand the impacts on the U.S. economy of climate change, uh, particularly in the need for disclosure rules and planning for resiliency. Uh, CoreLogic continues to be an active participate, uh, participant in these discussions, and uh, we think that it will result in major impacts in 2022 uh, as uh, uh, banks, mortgage companies, others uh, are looking at uh, disclosing climate risk as part of uh, how they do business. For 2022, uh, my crystal ball tells me if we stay in the current uh, La Nina pattern, uh, we're likely to see drought in the Western US persisting, along with continued wildfire uh, risk uh, uh, as we've seen in 2021. And I think a very active 2022 hurricane season like we've seen the previous two years, uh, along with continued uh, flood losses. Mm -hmm. I guess if I had to say one positive thing about 2022, uh, we think that uh, mitigation and resiliency efforts, uh, in part funded by the recently passed uh, Infrastructure Act, will hopefully start to offset some of these uh, hazard losses uh, that we're seeing, particularly related to flood and wildfire. And so that, Claire is my kind of 20, 21 summary and my look forward to 2022. Thank you so much, Howard. And finally, we can't end the season without speaking to our own celebrity, Dr. Frank Notaft, Chief Economist here at CoreLogic. Frank, welcome back to Core Conversations. Well, uh, hi, McClare. Uh, thanks so much for having me today. So, Frank, looking at the housing economy, what's your biggest reflection from 2021? And if you had to speculate on 2022, anything you could share for an outlook? I tell you, McClare, 2021 was an extraordinary year for the housing market. When I look back on it, what did we have? We had record low mortgage interest rates. Right. We had the fastest annual growth in single family home prices and rents ever. Mm -hmm. And we had foreclosure rates at a generational low. And on top of all that, we had the largest number of home sales in 15 years. And, you know, if you were a home seller this past year, you saw a market where there, you know, your home was selling quickly, often above the list price, and you had multiple buyers competing to get that winning bid. So right. it was truly an extraordinary housing market. When I look into the uh, new year, uh, into 2022, uh, what we see is the following. We do expect some upward pressure on mortgage interest rates. Uh, as you know, the Federal Reserve has announced that it's planning to taper or kind of uh, gradually scale back um, a lot of the um, monetary policy that it's put in place that's kept long-term interest rates so, so low over the last couple of years. So as the Fed continues with its 
tapering exercise, I think that will add to some upward pressure on, on interest rates. Mm. Not a whole lot, uh, but we do see mortgage rates on average uh, uh, being about one half of a percentage point higher in 2022 than they were on average during this past year. So a little bit higher, but still remain at historically low levels. The other thing we expect to see is that uh, we'll probably have a little bit more for sale inventory come onto the market for sale. And with that, that should help to um, moderate some of this really uh, uh, torrid home price growth that we've seen uh, over the past year. So in the CoreLogic home price index forecast, we are expecting home price growth, which averaged about 15% over the course of 2021. We expect that to moderate to about 5% growth in home prices on average in the CoreLogic National Index. Mm. Uh, we also expect rent growth to moderate as well. Uh, we're seeing double-digit single-family rent growth uh, in the latest data here at CoreLogic. And we do think that that's going to moderate in the coming year as there's additional rental homes that come onto the marketplace. Uh, finally, in terms of delinquency and foreclosure rates, gosh, you know, delinquency rates um, have been very low because of the uh, uh, you know, growth in jobs and, and income over the past year. Foreclosure rates have been at a generational low, but that's partly because there have been foreclosure moratoria in place and because uh, we've had the CARES Act forbearance program in place. Now, um, many uh, homeowners have come to the end of that forbearance period, are coming out of it, and we may see a little bit of an uptick uh, in foreclosure rates in 2022. Just an uptick, though, from an extraordinarily low level. We're not expecting to see a, a big increase, but undoubtedly there are still some families who are experiencing some uh, financial challenges as a result of the uh, COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And sadly for some of them, it'll probably result in a distressed sale uh, in the market over the course of the coming year. So overall, I do think that 2022 will be another strong year for housing, uh, albeit a little bit higher mortgage rates. Um, and we do think home sales will continue to rise and actually reach a 16-year high in 2022. Uh, and we expect delinquency rates overall on home mortgages to actually continue to remain quite, quite low. All right. Thanks so much, Frank. And thanks again to Pete, John, Sean, and Howard for joining me today for this year in review and look towards the future. That's a wrap for season one. We'll be back in the new year with a new season of Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. Until then, for more information on the property market and the housing economy, please visit us at corelogic.com slash intelligence. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Kelly Din, editor and sound engineer extraordinaire, Romeo Roman, and our social media team. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation. Music